Hey there, it's Christine Nielsen, aka Coach C, and we have our first reboot session of the Coach C podcast. I have brought the Coach C podcast back because I think that it's a time for us to communicate powerfully and really hear a lot of what people, what business owners, what leaders, what are they dealing with, how are they doing, and what problems are they solving for their companies, what solutions are they providing. My very first reboot podcast, I'm super excited today because we have Mr. Trevor Botkin, who is the vice, prin vice principal, who's the vice president of Corporate Connections Canada. And I met uh, Trevor late last year, and it was instantaneous connection. Um, Trevor is a people person. He connects people. He connects people with their ideas, their passion, and I'm not someone who... Uh, loves networking events and, and goes to a lot of the networking events. I really actually avoid them when I can. And immediately Trevor showed me a side of belonging to a community of business owners that I didn't even realize existed. So I'm super excited to uh, have Trevor as our first guest on the Coach C podcast, on the rebooted Coach C podcast. And we're going to talk today about a lot of different things. We have so many things to cover today. But Trevor, please, Tell us a little bit more about you and what's what you're up to. I, I think I just want to let you continue talking about me because it's far more interesting coming from you than it than it ever would be from me. I, um, not from what I just heard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here uh, to do your first reboot podcast from isolation with the rest yes. of Canada uh, all hunkered down in our homes. Uh yeah, it's, it's funny that you, you talk about not liking networking when that's basically my job. I run an executive networking organization that spans Canada. Uh, we're part of a global network, and um, I hate networking. So <laughs> it's, it's so ironic. Both of us hate networking. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm what you call a completely uh, extroverted invert, uh, introvert. I am too. So, yeah, so it's, uh, I think, kindred spirits in that sense. So. No, I have members across the country and, you know, these are wild times for each and every one of us uh, on a global scale is looking at no one knows where we're going. No one knows how we're going to get there. Um, and the only kind of encouraging thing is we're all in the same boat. Yes. So it's, it's exciting. Um, it's exciting times for many. And I think not the least of which is the challenges of working from home full time. And I know you've got kids. I've got a seven year old and uh, homeschooling. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a fun challenge these days. Yes, and now both you and your wife are working from home together right now. How are you finding that challenge? Because for the first time, uh, my husband is also working from home today, and he worked from home last Friday, and it's very different. It's a whole new world having your entire family home and trying to work. What are you facing well, my wife, uh, she's an optimization coach, so she helps companies optimize their talent and uh, more from like a COO function. Mm -hmm. So her business kind of dried up overnight, ah. and uh, people aren't right now looking for those types of coaches or, or the executive consultants coming in and doing that. And I, I know you're sensitive to that as well. Uh, so she and I, my business went completely virtual overnight. We saw this coming back in January, our CEO... Uh, globally saw the writing on the wall. And so for six weeks leading up to the lockdown, we were already looking at how do we take all our in-person meetings and move them to a virtual format, uh, seeing that our members more than ever would need each other, would need the community, and we need access 
to opportunities, to guidance, to um, sometimes it's just having someone else listen to you and, and being able to kind of spill your guts on what's going on and, and not have solutions, but someone just saying, yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah. So uh, we we were able to very quickly pivot and go from in-person meetings to, to virtual meetings overnight. And I think we're probably one of the biggest uh, Zoom license holders on the planet right now. Yes, because you have uh, people all over the globe uh, doing the exact same thing we're doing right now, which is meeting face-to-face, connecting. And one of the things that I'm finding with my clients, and my business didn't go in that direction. My business is actually, there's more of a demand for our consulting services and coaching because people really are looking at what are the opportunities and how do I make this pivot? And they're looking for solutions to solve their problems and also bring down a level of um, stress. So often our clients are dealing with heightened levels of stress. They may never have worked from home before. Their companies are now disbanded. How do they create that engagement? How do they create cohesive culture, which is exactly what you're doing with Corporate Connects and the entrepreneurs and business leaders across Canada and across the world. And I'm finding more and more people are appreciating more of the raw and authentic conversations that we're having now. So it's almost even, let's just cut to the chase and forget the niceties. Let's, yeah. let's dig into what are some of the things that we're facing and what are the challenge of not only running a business from home, but having so much uncertainty in the marketplace about those businesses. So I know this morning and this week you're connecting with uh, business owners and leaders all over Canada. You were saying you were on calls this morning at really early hours with uh, BC and, and other, com- other places. So tell me what, what is it that you know, people are reaching for? What is it that if you, could, if you could distill it down, what is it that there is top of mind? Uh, I think everyone's different. Every business is different. We know yeah. some businesses are actually going to do very well in this environment. If you're in the medical space, if you're uh, logistics, transport, if you have anything to do with food sales, uh, if you own stock in Sobeys or, or Loblaws, you're doing very well right now. Um, if you have a toilet paper company, you're, you're very happy. So it really depends on the industry. Uh, our friends, our colleagues that are in the financial industry who are considered, um, you know, urgent services or, or are still working, still going to the office. This is very stressful. Yes. Um, and, and they're watching portfolios. They're watching their clients lose their business or, or lose, you know, amassed wealth overnight and, and drops mm-hmm. that are that. And so that's stressful there. And, and how they deal with that is, is their own thing. So, you know, and, and everyone's turning them to saying, what do I do? Is this a time? Do I sell? Do I, you know, do I hunker down? Do I hide? What do I do with cash? Do I have? Is this a good time to be buying? Is this, you know, what should I do with my mortgage? Yeah. Um, so anyone in the real estate's being asked that, is this a time for me to, to, should I be talking to the bank about, you know, mortgaging? Should I be taking the loans the banks are giving out? Um, what should I do with my employees? Uh, is it better for me to keep my employees and cut their pay or set them up with, with, uh, employment insurance? Mm-hmm. Like what's the best benefit for them? Um, should I be paying my rent? Um, should my tenants be paying their rent? And those are the questions I think all of us have. And, and then, you know, normally I think we're pretty good at, at answering those and, and handling some of those, but then we couple that with our stress of being at home and sharing parenting duties and walking the dog, walking the dog in the middle of the day and, and all of those things. And, you know, who has the kid and, you know, 
you know, all of these things that we've never had to deal with, we're seeing, you know, cracks in our, or that. So you're right. The social veneer is the first thing to drop. Yeah. Um, you think twice about asking how people are, unless you really want to know how they are, because yeah. a lot of us will go, whoa, it's rough. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I have a lot of conversations with my members across the country just to find out how they are. And, and that's the joy of my job. It's also some of the weight that I carry is, you know, when I talk to a member whose spouse has lost their job. Yeah. Um, and we had a lot of casualties that first week and certainly the second week when 1.5 million Canadians applied for employment insurance. Uh, we certainly saw that within our community where a lot of our members, their spouses or their kids were affected negatively in that. So um, I, I think we're all looking at it differently in terms of what the business opportunities are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the questions or the discussions that I'm seeing is, okay, so we're in the situation we're in, the markets will do what the markets are going to do and they'll continue to fluctuate. There's no indication that we've hit bottom. Um, is it going up? Maybe. Is it going down? Maybe. So we just assume it'll fluctuate for a bit. There's certainly a, a lot of, I think help and plans from the government. Some of those are very promising. Uh, some of them, we don't know how long they'll last or, or how deep they'll go. Do you um, think they're well, getting enough? Some companies enough? won't qualify right away, certainly on the 75% wage coverage. Uh, you know, there's certain things that you have to do to be able to qualify for that. And, and some members, it'll be months before they qualify because they're not going to see the hit, but they'll see the hit yeah. in three months. Um, so, so a lot of the discussions become... Um, not how do we survive, but how do we come out of this stronger than going into it? Yes. And where did those opportunities lie? And, and I think coming out of this, we're going to see a real shift in our culture in, in, especially in workplace. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of employees who, when given the opportunity to either, you know, take a lower pay to keep the company going and go on to employment insurance, took the employment insurance. Yes. Um, and are sitting at home, you know, Netflixing and, and aren't doing anything of, of, and that's tough. That, that has its own stress when you're sitting there and cooped up in a house and not being productive or, or feeling like you have a purpose. Yeah. And it, let's, let's dig into that a little bit because I think a lot of my clients are feeling the same and the ones that, you know, some of my clients chose not to furlough and not to give right. that as an op as an option. And so they're taking pay cuts. They're not, and they're, they're making sure that from the bottom of, you know, their, their rungs to the top, the ones that are getting paid first are the ones that are on the bottom up to the hierarchy. And they're not taking pay, uh, because they want their employees and their teams fully engaged and solving problems that the business currently has and digging into solving those things. Uh, and how can they change that and what culture can they create moving out of that? That to me, speaks volumes of some of our leaders and some of those teams. And then you have the exact opposite where when given the option, people going, I'll, I'll just ride it out at home. I'll take a pass. I'll get EI and it'll, it'll all work out. But the reality of that is now they've created problems for themselves emotionally. They lack that sense of purpose. They lack that sense of structure. And there's a, there's a lot of damage when you do that. And then the, the, on the polar side of that, the employer that has, you know, the, the employee chose to take the EI versus digging in, there's going to be a lot of really valuable talent that becomes available. And those employers, if given a choice, 
who are you going to stack up when you have to, when you get back to work, right? So you may have just not only chosen unemployment, but do you have a job to go back to because you made that choice? Yeah, and I think yeah. So so there's a couple things to unpack there. I think the first thing is it, it truly is a sign of leadership if your employees are willing to take a pay cut to stick it out with you. And I think that speaks volumes to the management team, to the owner, um, to whomever made that decision where people say, no, I'm going to invest in you or I'm going to, I'm going to bet on you mm-hmm. more than I'm going to bet on employment insurance and writing that out. So I think that, you know, the employees who may say, no, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take EI that, that speaks to probably a management team that maybe didn't do a very good job of engaging their employees in the first place, yeah. or the employees didn't have a sense of purpose already at work. Yeah. So for them, there wasn't a loss or, you know, they were, they were shuffling paper and they were biding their time in, in that. So I think coming out of this, you're right. There's going to be a huge market for skilled labor for people. Um, you know, I have a member who's in recruitment and they do executive search recruitment. And there's a lot of executives right now who are looking at, you know, when this all changes, do they stay with the company they're at? Do yeah. they take a new job? And, and I think everyone's kind of in a wait and see mode which means there's going to be a very, very competitive market when we come out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, it's not necessarily who's in the best position, but who can react the quickest to the new realities of our economy and our society when we come out of this. Because this isn't just an econ- economic hit that we saw in 2008. No. Um, no. We've never seen anyone I've talked to is like, yeah, yeah, we've been here before. No, anyone who, who's done their homework and is looking at it from a historical aspect and saying, this isn't 1918. You know, this isn't 1920. This isn't 1929. It's, 19, it's not 1931. It's not, you know, it's not the 70s. It's not that. It's a mix of yes. all of them. And then in none of those instances, even in 2008, we didn't have social media. Yeah. We didn't have um, communities that are this tightly woven uh, around you know, access to information and the problem is a lot of the information is speculative or completely wrong or, or that. And so, you know, I think more than, more than ever, it's important for us as leaders to band together and say, you know, how do we share best practices? Not from, I read this, but you know, this is what I'm doing. This is what's working. Um, you know, I applied for this. This is what my banker told me. And this is what I'm able to get as a deal because the more information we have, I think the less powerless we feel and, and part of the fear that we feel part of the fear that employees feel is the unknown. Yes. And, and, and in a vacuum, we fill in the gaps and, and unfortunately social media is very quick to fill in those vacuum gaps where, you know, be it on, you know, does gargling hot water kill the virus and, you know, medical, <laughs> they're like, uh, that's not how viruses yeah, work. Rubs themselves um, on it. <laughs> right. Now we know, we know vitamins, we know exercise, we know sleep are all ways to keep yourself, you know, in better shape and that viruses tend to not react to somebody who's in great shape versus somebody who's run down and exhausted and emotionally tired. We know that that's, that's, that's pretty simple in the same way a business that's in good shape where you have employees who are engaged, where you, you're not over leveraged with the banks, where you, you, you don't have a weird sort of ratio of receivables where you've, you've delivered way too much and not recovered enough. Those, those will weather this better than companies that are speculative or that have kind of leveraged high debt loads and it's a gimmick or a flash in the pan. Yeah. So we know that we'll all kind of as organisms are 
fragility is based kind of on the house we built going into this. I agree. And a lot of companies were caught completely um, unprepared. Radically, radically unprepared And even my own, myself, I was not prepared in the way that I would have loved to have been prepared for such a fast shift. And so lessons learned and what can I do differently and how can we build resiliency, not only with the people, like with the leadership, with the with ourselves and looking at ourselves as the source of that and understanding how can we help each other um, and how can we build out of this and what are we learning as we go? Because there is no playbook. You said it. This has never happened in time. And I think you touched on something so important. We have access to global information. We have never had this much touch point and communication and information coming at us. And it's very challenging to sift out the facts and what's real. And, you know, somebody will take the exact same report and change one thing and it shifts the entire context. So Mm -hmm. people are responding to that or they take another piece, same report, same information and change the storyline and they respond to that. And I Mm -hmm. think people are more and more mistrusting what information they make relevant and how they use that information. And hopefully there's a higher, you see the bandwagon jumping and the this and the that, but I think people are mistrusting the information as well. Well, I think that's part of the fallout of the last four years that we've seen. Um, I won't get political, but certainly in the last four years where we've seen uh, an increase in the rate of things being called fake news. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not to say that there haven't been news articles and things that are erroneous or that are fake or that mm-hmm. are intentionally misleading to sell things. But um, where we've been hammered with this for, for years now, um, and now we're all a little bit distrustful of the news on either side. Yeah. Be it be it liberal, be it right wing, and that, and for good reason, I think. Um, I think that's when it's important to to kind of band together as a community of business leaders to say, let's let's take let's take opinion and push that out, mm-hmm. and let's take you know conjecture and push that out, and let's talk about experience yeah. and saying this is what I'm doing, and I'm seeing positive gain, or this is what I did in 2008, and this is what I wish I had done differently. Yes. And, and, and the more conversations we have around that and the more we have executives uh, in these groups, and I know YPO does a great job with their forums at, at leveraging that. EO does the same thing as us. Um, and it's something that we believe is, is important for our members to say, not because you read it in a book, not because you watched a YouTube video, but because you yourself have lived that experience it. and can say, this is what I would do differently. Yes. Or this is what I am going to do this time because uh, I've learned that lesson. Then you can look at that and with your own experience and your own intellect and go, um, that's true to me and the rest I'm going to kind of leave there as maybe I want to look at that, but it's it doesn't really resonate with me or 100% um, that resonates with me. Yes. And I think that's more important than, you know, I was talking to a business leader the other day, one of my members who was like, I limit my news to about half an hour a day. Yeah. And I just, I don't, after that, I want to know what's happening locally. I want to know if they've shut down the city. I want to know if there's roadblocks. And after that, I, I leave it because it's just, it's too negative. Yeah. And it's there to sell a certain agenda. And some news are more biased than others, but mm-hmm. generally speaking, 
there's an agenda at play because most of our news outlets are owned by for-profit companies. Right. And that's just, that's the reality of what we live in. Yes. Um, and then they have their network of trusted people. And a lot of them have great executive coaches that are sounding boards that are able to do that. And, and some of us are fortunate to have spouses that we can run things by and say, what do you think about this? And, and they're able to give their, and I'm fortunate in that sense that I, that I do have that. And I yes. have an incredible partner in that sense. Um, but I, I think more than ever, it's important to be very choosy and very picky in the sense of saying, surround ourselves by people smarter than us, yes. uh, more successful than us, who are more entrepreneurial than us. Uh, who who are more fearless than us, even if they're not, if we think they are, right. and and try to to you know if if, if this was the Titanic, um, we want to make sure that we're in we're in lifeboats that are full of people who are going to inspire us because we're in that lifeboat for a while. Yes, and I think globally we're all in the same lifeboat, and we have to be you know picky and choosy about you know making sure there aren't people there who just want to sit there and watch us row the boat. And wait for it to all blow over and say, no, 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 like pick up an oar and let's, let's work together I agree. to, to and, get through this. And you said so many key things in there. One, community, you know, surrounding yourself with people who are sharing experiences and trying to solve problems, yeah. trying to come up with solutions. And it's regardless of how big the problem is or how small the problem is. Let's solve those things together through sharing experiences and understanding how to create that connection from a social distance right now. Because we yeah. can't sit in a room together and share lunch together, but we can certainly come together and have the conversations that are impactful. And I think you're seeing more and more people being willing to have impactful conversations like the one we're having right now. You know, what can well, we do? I don't think there's an option. I, th I, think, I think it forces us it takes the artifice of thinking just because we're in the same room with someone that we have a relationship. Yes. Um, and how many of us have coworkers that we don't really know, but we're like, oh, I know them. I go to work with them every day. I, right. I share the same seat next to them Maybe on the on bus. Um, and until you sit down and, and you're in this truly artificial moment of I'm looking at my computer screen, looking at you, you're in Toronto, I'm in Montreal. Um, part of, it, it was always the danger of social media and the internet, the anonymity that people could post and say whatever they wanted. Yes. And it became very, um, very destructive and vile. But at the same time, we can use it to say um, we can have these closed down chats. We can go into a Zoom call and I can see you and you can see yes. me and we can say things and, and just open it up. And I think as long as we have that agreement that that vulnerability will be protected and that we're all kind of, um, supporting each other. And even though, you know, as, as a husband, I always want to have the solutions, but I've learned that sometimes it's better <laughs> just to shut up and listen than to try to offer a solution. That was, that was the hardest lesson probably in my marriage. Yes. Um, when I, when I work with couples and I do work with a lot of couples in business, um, I really, uh, work with them on stay in your lane. Not everything yeah. is a problem for you to fix. <laughs> and, and that's a challenge, but I think, you know, if we all understand that sometimes just you know, I was on a call with a whole bunch of different business leaders and someone said they were having trouble sleeping and I, and I stopped them. I said, anyone else on this call having trouble sleeping? And almost every hand was like, yeah, yeah I'm not, I'm not sleeping well at night. Um, and I think a lot of us are, are, if, 
if we're sleeping, it's restless or the dreams or, you know, there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot um, of anxiety. And so the minute you do that, everyone's like, okay, I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. Every, everyone else is struggling too. And that instantly is enough for a lot of people to go, okay, I can, I can keep going. It. Yeah. I can manage. And, and when someone says, I just had to let go employees and you stop the room and say, okay, anyone else let go of people today? And then everyone puts up their hand. You're like, okay, so I'm not evil or I'm not a bad leader because I had to let people go. Right. And I, and I, I think there's no, there's no, like we can say, there's no right way to get through an epidemic. No. Um, I think there's some wrong ways to do it. I, I, I think the people who are hoarding supplies and then marking it up and selling it on, on Kijiji or things like that, those are, like those are the, some of the worst our society has to offer. Yeah. Um, in terms of like a capitalist sort of like, I'm um, just being a capitalist. <coughs> um, but I, you know, so one thing we started in our community was the CC Canada cares, which yes. was, you Let's know, we're all in, in shared WhatsApp channels and, and we were looking at how do we, you know, some of us are quite privileged and have homes and have kids and have food and have access to food. And, you know, we, there's a lot of at risk people here in Canada yes. that need help and don't have a voice and, yeah. or have lost that voice in the last couple of weeks. Um, be it women that are stuck at home with abusive husbands and there's no more shelters. They're, they're all closed. Um, families that don't have access to food um, and the food banks are closing. Yes. Um, kids who don't eat unless they go to school and we close the schools. Yeah. And, and these so, are real problems. You know, something is that Sorry. these are the real problems that a lot of our communities, business owners, entrepreneurs are working together to yeah. find solutions by number one, identifying, shedding light on the problem, right? Yeah. So unless you know it's a problem and you're sharing the problem, you can't find the solutions, right? And but I think it, it also it, it elevates us from a place of like, oh, this is happening to me to going, okay, this is happening to us. I can deal with this. But there's people out there in our country that are their, their babies are literally starving. Yes. And I go, I, I can take $50. I can take $100. I can take $1,000. Uh, it won't break me. But how many people is that like the difference between life and death? Yes. And, and we're at that point in some of our communities. Yes. Um, and we've always been that way. If you look at the numbers on, on how many people die from hunger a year, it's staggering. It is staggering. Like, the numbers are atrocious. Uh, if we look at the global refugee crisis, I think it's 70 million people yeah. are displaced right now. And and so if anything, I think this is an opportunity to start looking at what do we want to do as a society? How do we want to live? What's sustainable? Um, and these are questions that on the left, they've been screaming about for a long time, but many of us kind of sit center maybe yeah. socially left, uh, fiscally right, and but it's still kind of center. And But these are the discussions I think that are exciting right now to look at and going, well, since we've completely hit the pause button on our, on our economy and all these things, and we're all reevaluating our jobs, our lives, our, some of us, you know, I think there's a lot of people looking at their spouse and going, <laughs> these, are, these are tough times. Yeah. Um, these should also be part of the discussion is, is how do we do that? So... You know, we've been contacting refugee families here in Montreal mm -hmm. that have left war-torn countries, that have left abusive families and whatever, and are, are have made their home in Canada, just reaching out, what do you need? 
Yes. And how do we help? And you posted that in CC Cares and people can, uh, you know, once they've listened to the podcast and you can reach out to us at Contrast and we'll connect you with some of the families as well if you want to put together some support. Because within hours, we had a member of our CC community just send from it their Amazon Prime, the diapers, the food, what that family needed. And it really was, it, it didn't, it was click a button and that family's getting what they need for support fairly quickly. And those are the, you know, the small acts of heroism, right? Well, I, th- I think, yeah, I think the minute you give somebody something that they can be causative over, it's it kind of lifts the spirit yes. a little bit or lifts the, the tone of that person of saying, okay, so it's not all gloom and doom and we're not no. screwed and I'm not just sitting here in my house hiding and playing Uno with my kids. Um, I am I playing Uno with my kids. bring help to people who... They, they don't, or they're terrified to leave the house. Well, one, so. of the, one of the sciences behind how our brain works, and, and when you give people a higher sense of purpose and a higher sense of value, it elevates everything immediately. So it shifts them from being a victim of the circumstances to actually being a cause in the matter. And it's those acts of heroism, whether it's, say, whether it's the nurse saying, no, I'm not going to work unless you supply me with a mask and safety right. equipment, or it's helping that family there you're seeing more and more acts of that where we're all banding together being a community and helping in some small or big way yeah and you know it was funny cuz i had a conversation with someone who's in seattle about a, about 2 weeks ago cuz in seattle one of the largest um, at-risk populations is their homeless population and a very high population in San Francisco and Seattle of, of homelessness. And they are at risk. Even if the rest of us are on quarantine, how do we make sure that these people are, are also getting the care and being in quarantine? And they said, well, if, if you have such a problem, what about the hotels that have empty rooms? Why aren't we having, you know, this be the opportunity to quarantine people and help with establishing because if we're not all quarantined then this isn't going to work to the degree we, that and, it needs and to and we've done it for nothing like yeah. we've crashed our we've, economy exactly and that's the thing exactly. i see it. you know if, if you're going to the park and you're playing soccer on saturday because it's nice with a bunch of friends and they're like well we're you know we're we're distance i'm like people are losing their jobs and dying. um because this is this is what science is telling us is our best hope um, and whether right, wrong, or indifferent, we won't know. No, you know, for months whether or not this is the right thing. But this is this is what we collectively, as a country, um, and our elected officials and our science leaders, this is what you know. This is what we're buying into, and this is what we're doing. So, you know, either do it, like yes. for blood, yes. or we need another solution. But the, you know, the half the halfway that, and and and, and that's. You know, I, I think that's where we have to look at as, as a country, you know, what's our purpose as a country? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think every individual should look at what their purpose is. Um, you know, every every business should be looking and taking this time to say, what am I really doing? You know, like, what is my purpose? Uh, and, and I think there's some real excitement around some companies are really going, you know, like power. You know, the hockey company is, is doing protective masks for, for hospitals. Tesla... Yeah. With their thing, Dyson with the ventilators, GE, Ford, every big company is starting to go, how do we get solutions? Our entire scientific community is all banded together to, to tackle this. And, and I think if we started looking at every one of our issues as a society, is not as it's a problem for the government to solve. No. It's a problem for that is to say, how do we as, as business, how do we as private citizens 
how do we take, you know, how are we accountable and take responsibility for our country and our country's actions? And I mean, like, how do we in Quebec look out for the needs of those in Alberta who are just being decimated in the yes. oil patch, completely yes. decimated. Yep. Um, and that's a big discussion. How do, what do we do with the East coast with, with the, the fisher, you know, the trade out there and all these things. What do we look at in the farm industry in the prairies? Mm-hmm. So I think as a country, we have to stop the, the division yeah. of us. And, and that's, we'll never get anything done if we're divided as a country. Right. Um, if we're divided as, as a people, and I mean the entire planet, if we come together, and I think that's where business plays a big part of it, I think, is looking yeah. at it and going, we're all interconnected. Um, so if you know, we saw that with China, the minute China went down, it's like, well, it's China. All of us stopped being able to make things because yes. we rely on that supply and trade from China for our computer chips or the little piece of rubber. Yeah. Um, so even though it's made here, it's it, some of the core components come out of China. So the more global we are in terms of our business, I think the more global we have to look in terms of our politics. Yeah, I and, agree. And stop being divisive in our politics and realizing that um, if any one of us goes down, that we all kind of spiral the same drain just because we're so interconnected as a species now. Yes. And, you know, I think there was that interconnection and that it is a global pandemic. It is a global problem mm-hmm. and it will have to have a global solution. And we, yep. we are interconnected and there isn't a going back. You know, you're not going to go back in time and then become, you know, dis- disconnected humans. That's done. So we have to figure out ways forward that actually, you know, elevate that, innovate it, and leverage those connections to learn from each other and find solutions fast. And I think that's what we're seeing now is that find solutions and sort it out together and how can we share more information that is relevant and provides that for people. And one of the things you touched on earlier, and and we'll we'll close this off fairly quickly in a couple of seconds here. Um, One, I really appreciate your candor and being willing to chat with me today. Thank you so much. But the, you talked about women being displaced and going back from the, the shelters that are closed and going back to you know, abusive situations. And I have seen and I've spoken to several people where that is happening more and more. And I think we could be better at coming up with solutions for these mm-hmm. families. Uh, again, we have high rates of, of availability for occupancies, hotels, motels, Whatever that looks like, I think we should be bringing those communities together and figuring out some of those solutions so that we're not putting more people at risk. The other thing that I saw and um, is, you know, there's a new addiction crisis because more and more people are sitting at home abusing and using, you know, substances to numb how they feel during this mm-hmm. experience. And if you don't have a sense of purpose, you're going to do a lot more of that. And so these are the kinds of things that we want to start to create solutions now right now versus wait for, oh, the numbers are up and here's all the people that were at risk and this is what happened in those populations. I think there's some opportunity for all of us to dig into that. And, and mental health is, is got to be a priority for people and yeah. companies going forward 100%. I, I think it's a huge, huge priority. Um, how, how do we put systems in place for at-risk people, be the women, be the youth, um, you know, I, 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 one of the, one of the women I've done some work with, uh, on her board of gender bridge, 
um, you know, she, she posted on LinkedIn talking about, you know, a frog emoji and using that. So if you're an abusive relationship and, and you need that, just send somebody the frog emoji. And, and that was something that she started championing mm. on LinkedIn to say, you know, if you send me the frog emoji, I'm calling the cops and yes. saying there's a woman that needs help. Um, but at least then. Thank you for letting you know, me know about that. I didn't know about the frog emoji. She just, she just posted it. And, and I, I don't know if she came up with it. I think she did. Um, but again, it's, it's, you know, if, if anything we've learned in the, in the, this post me too era is that so many women are at risk. And, um, you know, when we now put people together in homes mm-hmm. and it, it's not just women, obviously no, families, you know, children, children men, are at kids, risk, men are too, uh, everyone. Are risk, yeah. I, and I, and I think the only way, because so much of our, our systems are breaking down. The only ways for us as citizens, especially, you know, if you're sitting at home and you don't know what to do and you're on social media and you're just, you know, waiting for the government checks to kick in and it's kind of like a long spring break, um, that these are the people that need to be uh, kind of catalyzed and inspired to say, reach out to your neighbors. Yes. Um, reach out to everyone you know and say, hey, I want to check in with you. And if, if someone is struggling with addiction, if they're struggling with be it alcohol or any of the other things or, or, or whatnot, it's to say, Hey, you know, just the act of reaching out is enough to, to start those conversations. Yes. And, and we know mental health is a huge issue in the country. And there is a lot um, of online support for those communities. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of, yeah. of online meetings and a lot of things happening to connect people. And now that I know about the frog emoji, I'll make sure that, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you know of someone in a, in a, in a I'll, I'll share her post with you on, on LinkedIn great. and you can share Appreciate it on hers, uh, on, on, on yours. Yeah. I'll make sure that you have that on your LinkedIn. We also have people doing, um, you know, creating, you know, products and services using 3d printers and helping to create, you know, safety gear and equipment for frontline, frontline employees or employees that require some extra support, like a grocery store employees and things like that. So there's so much going on. We're going to be posting it on all of our social media, how you can connect. Trevor, how do we connect with you and with corporate connections and CC Canada cares? Uh, well, corporateconnections.com is our, our global website. Um, that's, that's an easy way to reach out to us. We're also pretty active on LinkedIn. So any messages on LinkedIn, it's easy to find us there, uh, in terms of that. And then uh, I prefer as opposed to mass, it's just one-to-one, um, and, and getting to know people. And, and, and part of my job is making sure, again, we have the right people in our community and, and that are coming in with the right things. So it's, it's, uh, it's really a, I think a curated, group of leaders that are, are not only just trying to do their business, but it's also about creating meaningful change yes. either in their community, their businesses, or just their lives. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, find us on LinkedIn, find us on the web at corporateconnections.com. Or reach out to me and I'm, I'm happy to also make the impact, make or, or the difference. Or reach out to one of my favorite members in Toronto, Christine. <laughs> Happily. So thank you so much for uh, being on the first reboot real session of the Coach C podcast. You're going to hear a lot more from us. Uh, follow us on LinkedIn, uh, Instagram at Coach C Official, Contrast Results Group on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can always find me on uh, LinkedIn as Christine Nielsen. It is spelled the Danish way, N-I-E-L-S-E-N. It's not like the chocolate bar. So we're looking forward to hearing from you and really having more deep dive, meaningful conversations that make an impact. 
Thanks again, Trevor, for joining us today. And I hope you enjoyed this edition of the Coach C podcast.